gospel of Christ, according to glory to you, Lord Christ. From noon on, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And about three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, this man is calling for Elijah. At once, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a stick, and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. For those that are here. Well, once again, welcome to our, our uh, service of worship. And for those of you that may be tuning in and haven't tuned in for a while or uh, haven't been here for a while, we're actually going through a sermon series for Lent and for Easter entitled The Seven Last Words of Jesus on the Cross. And some of you have been to that service uh, on Good Friday, but many people are not aware of those seven last words or have heard sermons preached on those seven last words. So I'm trying to uh, bring them to life for people who have never heard them. And we have arrived on the fourth word, which is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which, that word is actually a quote from Psalm 22. Psalm 22, which many people have run into through the years in the scriptures because they're familiar with that particular uh, psalm. But what's fascinating about that psalm as Jesus is praying it, as Jesus is quoting it while he's on the cross, it is the only time that Jesus did not refer to God as Father. So what was different? Why was he doing that? In part it was because he knew the scriptures. He knew what was coming, what had come, what will come. He knew the prophecies. And he knew the Psalm 22 contained prophecies about who he was and what he was doing. But this word that's not really familiar to many of us, that we don't use very often in our common speech, forsaken. I mean, we have probably heard that place is God forsaken. Maybe in a movie. But it's not a word that we often use. Let me tell you a word that I think everybody's familiar with today, especially counselors, who use the words fear of abandonment. Abandon. That's a more common word, and I think for many people that's a word that really strikes home for some. Because many people at different times have experienced abandonment. Or we've seen abandonment. For example, if you've ever seen an abandoned house, and what happens to that house? It's broken. It's declining. Or a town. A ghost town. Some of you have seen them in movies. Some of you have actually been to a ghost town. But anytime something or someone is abandoned, there's brokenness. There is that feeling of forsakenness. Consider families that have experienced brokenness in their families. 
where someone has left and the relationships have been broken and there's brokenness in the home and brokenness in people's hearts and and those broken relationships that have an impact for years, if not the rest of one's life. That forsakenness, that brokenness. Sometimes it's an experience that's only temporary, but sometimes it's a permanent experience. One time when I was young, probably about seven years old, my mom took the three older children in our family to the circus. My dad was going to night school, then Carnegie Tech, it's now Carnegie Mellon, and he had no interest in going, I think, so my mom took the three of us. And my brother's a year older, and my next youngest sister's two years younger, so we went to the circus together, and at one point at the circus, my sister went missing. She was lost. And my brother and I kind of said, okay, no big deal here. But actually, we were concerned. And my mom was practically hysterical. And it wasn't just a few minutes later that we heard over the loudspeaker, there's a little girl here who's crying and she can't find her mommy. So we went over to where they were standing. And of course, we were reunited and it was a joyous time. But that doesn't mean that the trauma left right away. You know how when little kids are, (laughs) you know how they are when they do that. Well, that lasted for a little while because she was so upset. And that's that sense of abandonment that sometimes people experience in their lives. Maybe not like a little girl like that. But fortunately, in this case, there was a reuniting. There were people coming together and there was soon forgotten that trauma of the abandonment, which was a blessing. Now think about that Good Friday moment when Jesus was crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he wasn't the only one feeling abandoned at that point. The apostles in the upper room, knowing that Jesus was going through this suffering and this Horatius death and not knowing what to do and their leader was gone and no one to tell them where to go and how they should be. Thinking he's going to die and we've been following for three years hoping for something and feeling abandoned at that point. He knew from the beginning he was going to the cross. He knew when the father sent him that that was why he came. He also knew that he would be forsaken because he came to take upon himself the sin of the world. He had never known a broken relationship with the Father because the relationship was always intact. There was always that love, there was that intimacy, there was that care. So this was a first experience for him that he went through this pain Not just the physical pain and the humiliation, but the separation from his father, which he had never experienced. And that's why immediately he would cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He began to feel it and sense it that it was coming when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he asked the apostles, especially Peter, James, and John, pray with me. 
And then he would pray in the prayer, Lord, take this cup away from me because I don't want it. I don't want this brokenness. I don't want this sin coming on my life which breaks relationships. That's really what sin is all about. It breaks our relationship with God. It has an impact on our relationships with each other. That's what sin does. It breaks relationships. And so he prayed in the garden. Take this cup away because I know what's coming. And if you look at Psalm 22... There's a number of verses that give us an indication as to what was coming. All who see me mock at me. They make mouths at me. They they shake their heads. Commit your cause to the Lord. Let him deliver you. Let him rescue the one in whom he delights. For dogs are all around me. A company of evildoers encircle me. My hands and feet have shriveled. I can count on my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes amongst themselves. And for my clothes they cast lots. He knew that this was coming. That's what Jesus knew. And so he knew he was going to be forsaken. But as much as Jesus knew he was forsaken, he did not forget. He did not forget the promises of God. He did not forget that that was not the end of the story, his experience of forsakenness. Scholars guesstimate that there's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament about the Messiah. The prophecies that Jesus would fulfill and in the second coming fulfill totally. Many of those prophecies have to do with him taking upon himself the sin, the pain, the brokenness, the iniquity of the world. Isaiah 53, the suffering servant passage that talks about how he took upon himself the sin of the world. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases, struck down by God. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole. Jesus knew. And so he never forgot that this was the plan that he and his father knew was coming. That he would be forsaken, that he would be broken for our sake. And so he knew that he was going to this cross to this awful time. He was taking this cup. He was drinking this cup. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might know his righteousness. That's in 2 Corinthians 5, by the way. That's what God's design For this death was about, for our sake, out of love. But once again, even though Jesus was forsaken, he never forgot. If you pray through, which Jesus was probably doing from the cross, not only Psalm 22, remembering why he was there as he was praying Psalm 22, we get to the end of Psalm 22. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn saying that he has done it. He's done it. He went there for us, out of love for us, to win our salvation for those who would believe. He's done it. Jesus probably prayed that prayer to himself to the end, and then probably went on to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So as he began that prayer, and as he continued in that prayer from Psalm 22, knowing that he was broken for us, knowing he was taking upon himself the sin, he did not forget that that was not the end. Because he would rise again to show, or show that he defeated the power over sin and death. To show the power of God's love and God's grace and God's mercy. To show the power of healing. To show that we can have salvation and eternal life. God did not forget. Jesus was forsaken, but his father did not forget. He was not forgotten. Forsaken, not forgotten, because he was forsaken for our sake. But then, think about, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not perish, but have eternal life. He was not forgotten by his father. He was forsaken because he took upon himself the sin. But the love of the Father was intact. Just like sometimes people here feel forsaken, like my little sister who was lost for a moment, a few minutes, but then reunited, and the trauma dissipated. Forsakenness comes from brokenness. which all of us have brokenness. All of us have sin. All of us have pain. And when we bring that to the Lord, we experience that healing and that grace and that mercy and that transformation because God didn't forget us. His plan from the beginning, from Genesis, when he promised Adam and Eve, he will bruise your heel, but he will crush his head. Satan will bruise Jesus' heel. But Jesus will crush Satan's head. Genesis 3.15. From the beginning the promise was yes, there would be woundedness. But there would be ultimate victory. Jesus was forsaken so that we might be forgiven. That's why he was forsaken. So that the sin in our lives could be taken away. The brokenness in our lives could be healed. We would have a restored relationship with the Father and the ability to have restored relationships with one another. He was forsaken for our sake. We couldn't pay the debt. We couldn't bear our own sin. It's because we were sinners and we needed a Savior that Jesus came to be forsaken. That's why he came. So that we might be forgiven. He is our sacrificial lamb. The once for all, if you listen to Hebrews, now we don't need to sacrifice anymore. And so the word comes to us because of Jesus' sacrifice. 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection chapter. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the gift. That's the forgiveness. That's the power that Jesus defeated the power of sin and death. You know, 
if you've watched enough movies or as a child maybe read enough fairy tales, you probably know the phrase, and they lived happily ever after. We all are familiar with that phrase. And actually, sometimes in this life, it does happen. Sometimes it doesn't. And when you go through tragedy, you're wondering if happiness is ever going to come back. Joy and peace and love. When there's abandonment, when there's brokenness, when there's pain. And sometimes when we cause it, sometimes it's intended, sometimes it's not intended. That we cause pain, that there's abandonment in our lives. And when we abandon God, whether we recognize it or not, there will be consequences and there will be brokenness. But Jesus came so that we don't have to stay there. We don't have to remain broken. One of the blessings that I've had in my, in my own ministry, my life, is having the privilege of remarrying six couples who had been divorced to each other. And it's such a neat experience because you see these two people who their relationship is broken. And they walk away and they're still broken because they had been blaming the other person. Then they realized maybe it wasn't the other person. Maybe there was something in my life. Maybe there was something in me. There's brokenness in all of us. And so, believe it or not, we did premarital counseling. They said, well, we've already been married. I said, yeah, I know, but did it work the first time? Not real well. So we did premarital counseling, and we worked back towards the remarriage. And Jesus is called the bridegroom because he comes for us. He comes and says, not only do I love you, I will wash your feet. I will lay down my life for you so that you might be healed. So that you yourselves may no longer abandon the Lord or feel forsaken. So that you might be restored and blessed. You know, John 1 says we have the power to become his children. The power to become his children. Through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. And that's why we can pray, Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. And ask for our daily bread and seek forgiveness of our sin and our brokenness. That's the gift. Early in my ministry here, when my children were still young, our family and a few from another family, the Caswell family, uh, Bob was my assistant at the time, went to Life Care, which is one of the nursing homes around here, care facility. And we went in, there were like seven or eight of us, I don't remember exactly how many, And what we said is, look, it's Christmas time. Some of these people will not have family or friends visiting them. And that's a place that we used to do ministry on a regular basis. So I knew some of the people, and I said, why don't we just go in, visit people in their rooms, see if they want to have a visit, love on them, bring them God's love for Christmas so that they have that Christmas gift. Remind them of God's love and God's gift. So we all dispersed, and we went to various places in the nursing home, And then we tried to gather everybody up and said, okay, time to leave. And so we got in the van and we left. Except we left Daniel there, my son Daniel. 
And so we hurried back. We didn't even realize it. We hurried back. We went back into life care. And we're looking around for Daniel. We're calling his name, Daniel, Daniel. And he's in a room talking to an elderly gentleman. And they're literally loving on each other. Daniel was probably, I don't know, five or six. And he was oblivious. Why? Because he went there with God's love in his heart. Why? Because he was loving on someone else. Why? Because he knew the gift of Christmas. And he wanted to share that gift. Who is Jesus Christ? That's why he came. That's why he came. That's the gift for our brokenness, for our forsakenness. We don't need to feel abandoned, but loved by the Lord, forgiven, transformed. You know, during this time in our country, in our world, it's unprecedented what we're going through. Right now, there's a lot of panic and hysteria around the coronavirus. On the other hand, some people are maybe taking it too lightly. And I think we need to operate with wisdom. And we need to be caring. And there are people out there that probably feel abandoned. And we need to figure out how to care for one another during a very difficult time. A time where many are isolating and isolated. But in some ways, that's nothing new because there's so much brokenness in the world and in our own hearts and lives. And so trying to figure out how to respond to this coronavirus. And some people I know are feeling forsaken by God, even though it's really that many have forsaken him because they don't know him. They don't know the depth of his love given on the cross in the person of Jesus Christ. He was forsaken so that we don't need to feel or be forsaken. And we as his people need to not forsake others, especially now, and figure out how to care for them. It's a challenging time. We need to be prayerful. We need to be careful. We need to be wise. But we need to make sure people don't feel forsaken. Because we not only have the love of God in Jesus Christ, we have the gospel. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. And they need to know that Jesus was forsaken so that they could be forgiven, so they could know his love and his peace and his joy, especially now. As Moses was approaching the promised land and ending his life and ministry, he told the people, Be strong and bold. Have no fear or dread of them. Because it is the Lord your God who goes with you. And he will not fail you or forsake you. He says again. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not fail or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Today we think about the cross. Today we think about Jesus forsaken. So that we might not be forsaken but rather so that we can be forgiven and know his love and his grace and his peace, especially now. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you 
that you sent your son. And Jesus, for coming and going to the cross for our sake, for our sin and brokenness, for our feelings of abandonment, so that we might know the filling of your Holy Spirit because of your cross, the gift of salvation, the gift of the Holy Spirit that transforms us. Lord, help us this day amidst this coronavirus for the fear of what's going on in the economy, for the the isolation of people. Help us to know that we are not forsaken by you. And help us to help others know that they are not forsaken. And we ask this and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.